uh, at uh, this point. I've got on the line a political economist at a trade collective and uh, someone whose views uh, I certainly value, and that is uh, Lebohang Peko. Mel Lebohang, good evening to you. How are you? I'm very well, thank you, Abuanga, and to the other participants. Thank you so much for joining us. I'm also joined on the line uh, by uh, Yamgela Spengane, a good friend of mine and a social commentator. Yamgela, right? Thank you so much for taking time out to speak to us. It's always a pleasure. And last but not least, I'm joined uh, in our studios here in Auckland Park by a director at uh, Zubera Institute for Research and Development. And uh, I always say Zubera, and uh, I need to be able to at least overcome this X thing. Uh, Zubera Institute for Research and Development. Kolani Tube, good evening to you, my brother. How are you? No, let me humble myself to you, to the listeners, as well as to my fellow uh, discussants. Thank you so much. Guys, uh, and uh, Mele Buhang, I want to start off with you. Uh, uh, you know, I, I think the last week or so, certainly for anybody who sees themselves as someone who's interested in politics or who, mm-hmm. uh, I guess, takes a very keen interest in uh, the role that politics play in uh, the development of any country, community or, or society, would have been looking at, uh, I guess, the, the spectacle of it all, the theatrics of it all, and uh, probably coming to different conclusions. What conclusion did you come to? This is a very important election. Um, we, I think we can agree that it's the most important in the last 25 years. Um, since 1994, every party is out there to put their best foot forward and to attempt to differentiate, differentiate, differentiate themselves from other political options, because basically politics are a menu of possibilities, a menu of possible outcomes, approaches, ideologies, and discourses. And the last seven days in particular, and and this weekend, even more so, we've seen all of these um, menus at display. I've also seen that a couple of things that come to my mind are that, firstly, there is very little material difference between the the positioning um, on economic matters and redistributive matters um, that, that really should bring African people to the center mm. of concern um, in, in, in any of the manifestos. It's the packaging, it's the posturing that differs, uh, but really between the red, the blue, and the, the, the black, gold, green, there's really not much material difference. Um, there'll just be different iterations and different forms of emphasis. So that is the, the thing that's been coming to my mind and coming to the foreground very vigorously the last seven days. And of course, you know, the usual grandstanding, bits of masking, bits of talking, you know, backtracking at each other to, to, to discredit each other rather than, of course, iterating their own political messages. But that's the that's nature of politics. Mm. So, so, so Mepeko, you, you, you genuinely think that uh, the red guys, the blue guys, and uh, the uh, red... Uh, uh, red green and, uh, oh, sorry, the yellow, yeah, uh, green, and black mm-hmm. guys uh, mm-hmm. share the same views on redistribution because I think, for me, that's a crucial part that, uh, you know, all of our policy mix and all of that is really around uh, how how does it uh, mm-hmm. uh, shape up to the task of historic redress? And uh, I guess one of those yes. big questions is around redistribution. I would think that, you know, when I look at all of those, uh, I'd probably place the DA on one side and probably place the ANC and the EFF on the other. Why do you think they're the same? I would think that, um, I'd actually think that the DA has, is very center-right. Mm. The ANC has gone, you know, purports to be left-leaning, but uh, they've actually been leading us up a market orthodox neoliberal part sure. the last 25 years. They're very conservative, market conservative, which we've seen, we've seen the outcomes of this in our social distribution outcomes, which are, which are poor. I mean, we have... Um, People are now at, at least uh, 51% or 52%, depending on which statistics you look at, of African people are living in poverty. That's about 27% of the, of the population. I would have, however, 
beg and say that um, the EFF do offer a much more indigenous, homegrown approach to distribution, which I think mm. my colleagues and I can talk about later. Sure. They do differentiate themselves. Um, you know, not only the land redistribution, but also the distribution of other assets and resources. But mm-hmm. I. Do you share do you share the same sentiment that uh, if you look at how the debates have fared certainly since 1994 right up to now in 2019 you probably would have seen a lot of difference in ideology rhetoric and outlook in 1994 uh, than potentially what you see now and Mele Buhang suggesting that uh, in many ways there's been uh, what I would call an ideological convergence of some of these views uh, do you share that sentiment <laughs> look the most important thing that you have to be honest with is that this is the, I can say, the oxification, meaning that the solidification of the political merchants, you see. Uh, what I've observed is that there is no difference uh, with these three political parties mm. in terms of ideology, in terms of policy, except that this is a congregation of the so-called African black elite who are there to serve a purpose of maintaining the status quo, the apartheid status quo, the apartheid systems and structures. <laughs> Look, the the pronouncements that they have on land redistribution and so forth, I don't think that we have to take that thing seriously at all because those things that they are saying, they are pumping the euphoria to us so that we can think that there is something that they are going to do. Whereas for the past 25 years and also for the past, in the last parliament, they have all the opportunity to deal with the apartheid systems and structures, but they have not dealt with those things until towards the end and where we were fooled again to be to have a hope that yes there will be a land redistribution without compensation but we are going to the sixth parliament mm. without anything that has uh, has changed and so for me uh, with all uh, respect I, I don't think that there is anything that they can change because look we have to accept mm. we as Africans, black Africans, we are a defeated nation in South Africa because we still exist in the parameters that were created by the historical oppressors, not us. And we have not tempered or have not deconstructed mm. those systems and structures. I was going to say this election or this manifesto are progressive if they have said and talked to us about how to, to deconstruct and to destroy mm. the system and structures that were constructed by apartheid. Well, and how, how would that look like? Uh, and, and I definitely agree with y- your point that there is a task for us to deconstruct the spatial, social, economic, and other forms of realities that we've inherited from a centuries-long system of the dispossession of black people, Right. But what does that look like in the form of electoral promises? What does it look like in the form of policy? What does it look like in the form of governance at multiple levels? Look, just read all their policies. Mm. A neoliberal. Sure. You get what I mean? When, when you talk about the EFF, those are political merchants. You get what I mean? <laughs> they, 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 there is nothing tangible. They know that they don't have a responsibility. They, 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 can, they have been building the castle in the air. But the reality, these guys, they've been in coalition with the DA. Mm. They've been in, they are involved 
in the most horrible scandals that undermine the black nation mm. when it's come to VBS. You, you get what I mean? And the same guys, they talk about fighting against corruption, but they told us that Mazzotti is the one who funded them in order to register with the IEC. And so we, we need us to wake up and see the reality that these guys in parliament, they play different roles mm. so that they can regulate us so that we always be in this red race of thing that we are moving forward, okay. whereas we are not moving forward. Look, let me give you an example. The ANC is there to serve the interest of the black liberals. And then the, the EFF is there to serve the, 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 the interest or to regulate the interest of the radical Africans. Because under the subset mm. of the EFF, we have the BLF, we have your Klawuti, we have all these guys. Sure. And so the EFF is the chosen one. Okay. But yes, I, let's pause this slightly for a second. Yamgela, uh, I'm interested to hear from you, brother. If you, if you share, and of course, I mean, I would assume that you share the same structural understanding. But do you think there's some form of progressive, uh, and I would even venture to say some form of revolutionary possibility? Uh, that uh, is presented to people as political actors. And I'm not saying political parties, I'm not saying they're leaders here, but the people who on Wednesday are going to go and cast their ballots. Does this moment, do these elections present any form of uh, revolutionary potential or possibility? I'd be, I'd be very wary to say that, Aya, because when you read the policies, when you read uh, and listen to the, the speakers, uh, that represent these political parties. You don't you don't grasp that there's any a revolutionary change that's coming. It's more corrective to say we've made mistakes here and there, or we'll fix here, or there's an added promise to do this and that. But there's no major overhaul that is actually being touted as going to come by any of the of the leading political parties that in the last election were the were the dominating political parties on on the voter on the voter outcome or the election outcome. So uh, it would be very difficult to say that there, there is a revolutionary moment that is coming. And I think because of the maturity of the voter, that's why there's so much skepticism that is going around. It's more of that because the, 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 the voter is actually getting mature and they, they're actually beginning to see through the theatrics and see that, look, uh, this is more of the same thing that we've been having for the last five elections. And uh, nothing much is coming and being promised in terms of right out revolutionary change, which is, would be an overhaul of, 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 of the current epoch that we've experienced in the past 25 years. But uh, then we, we would then question what would be something that is revolutionary. I would say that it would be taking a, a serious turn from the current economic policies that we have, taking a serious turn from the land reform position that we have, mm. and that... I no political party actually wants to thread beyond the measured means or the measured uh, circle that has been kept to say, look, you can only play your, 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 your ideology sure. within this space. You can only play your, your, your sloganeering or whatever, your electioneering within this space. You cannot go beyond these parameters because uh, somehow these parameters are, uh, are out of bounds or they're going to spook the investors or whatever reason that uh, might be there. But no one is willing to say, look, uh, we're willing to challenge the paradigms because so far 
they haven't brought material change mm. to the ordinary South African who lives in Deep Slot, who lives in Kailicha, who lives in Kwamashi, for instance. But, but Yamkela, and, and this is for me is the question, and I like what uh, Kulani was saying, uh, calling people political merchants here, and whether or not you agree with what he's saying, one can't run away from the fact that the entire political system in many ways, and you see it with 48 parties, I mean, 48 parties when we really know that there's really, I guess, three to five or, or maybe at most seven real contenders here, not just for power, but for space in the political system. One does get a sense here that uh, in many ways, um, he who pays the piper calls the tune and money one has uh, determined, I guess, uh, the kind of politics that emerged. But moreover, um, in this kind of limited system that you have, um, should we really be placing and hedging our bets so much on the ballot uh, uh, in light, I guess, of the limitations that uh, you, you outline? Ideally, we, we should not even be thinking of the ballot as uh, something that could bring material change. There should be more uh, active avenues. But then again, you have uh, an instance where we take uh, a party into government through the ballot. And there's no, there's no room for abstinence. Uh, so abstinence is not recognized as a form of voting. So whether there's a low voter turnout or whether there's a high voter turnout, a government will be constituted at the end of the day. Mm. And this government has an almost unlimited power over how the state will be given. So uh, it becomes uh, a very difficult thing to say people must obtain or they must, they must abstain or they must find other avenues of expressing themselves other than the ballot, because whether or not they go to the ballot, once the election day is done and the mm. votes are counted, a government will be constituted, constituted and sure. then this government will actually drive the policy, will actually drive the decision-making, will actually do everything. So maybe we should go back to the mechanisms that are given to governments and how we hold them accountable mm. and how we can actually influence the direction that they are taking in terms of policy implementation yeah. and policy formulation. And that's where the crisis is currently. Okay. I'm in conversation here on uh, Metro FM Talk uh, with uh, three heavyweights. And I'm in the first team, I'm Sanj. Kolani Tube from uh, Zubera Institute for Research and Development and uh, Political Economist at Trade Collective, Lebohang Peku, and uh, social commentator, Yamkela uh, Spengane. And now we're tuned in on uh, the other side. I'd love to hear uh, from you. Give me a ring on 089-110-3377. We're also checking out some of those tweets there coming through on uh, the Twitter. And uh, I'd love to hear from you. We're going to take a look at uh, some of those tweets. And May Lebohang, before... Uh, uh, I guess uh, we, we go to this break. I'd love to hear you out on what uh, Yamkela is raising here because it speaks about how we create this conveyor belt between principle, uh, ideology, ideology or outlook and, of course, what that looks like when it is translated into practice. Just like we can say a certain uh, entity and how it has governed a uh, municipality, a province or even a country is neoliberal in outlook. We see that from what, not from what they say, but actually from what it is that they do. And I'm interested, Mele uh, Wahang, to hear from you. When we look at some of the debates that have come through around our system of governance uh, with its three tiers, national, provincial, and local, we've heard the EFF coming out saying, look, we're going to do away with provinces. We want uh, one national government and, of course, empowering municipalities to do a bit more. And yet the IFP and the DA, more federalist in their outlook, are saying give more power, decentralize some of this authority. And uh, I guess the ANC stuck somewhere in the middle uh, since they said in their conference that they want to review uh, this multi-tier system. When we look, I guess, at the big demands on redistribution, not only from the state, but even in the private sector, the big demands for redress, the big demands uh, for social justice, 
Uh, when you look at that debate around federalism, decentralization, or having a more unitary kind of approach, is that a helpful debate? Ah, we seem to have lost Mama Kolani. While we try and uh, maybe, do you want to take that one while I try and get hold of Mele Bohang? Look, I, I, I think the issue of how our country is supposed to be structured, mm. I think we, we need to put it into appearance for now. Because I think post this election, we need to have a, a new, fresh narrative regarding uh, reimagining and rethinking South Africa. Because what you are saying is like we have to assimilate other countries on how they structure their countries. Mm. Because if you look at Germany, if you look at China, if you look at Russia, they, they, they are totally different. They, they are, these structures that govern those countries are there to serve the people of, of those that country. Uh, precisely. Yeah. And so for us, we, we tend to go out and and assimilate other countries, you, you get what I mean? And so I don't think that is going to happen because, as we have said, ANC claim that he is a non-racial organization, non-sexist, uh, they don't see trap and so forth. But mm. recently, you know very well that Togo Titiza was rejected at Swane. And if ANC is that matured, and if South Africa is that matured in terms of tribe, in terms of race and so forth, why don't we have... A, a, a Sutu person being a premier in KZN or a Zulu person being a premier in, in Free State. These are the issues that show that South Africa is not fully fleshed nation. Mm. And so for us starting to talk about how we are supposed to structure our country, I think we're putting the cat before the horse. Mm. We have to ask ourselves, are we a nation yet or mm. are we not a nation? And so if we're not a nation, what best of governance that can suit us because even the issue of three tiers those are po were po for political reasons mm. it has nothing to do with the identity and the nationhood of us as south africans okay. we have to understand those things tell me tell me who you're voting for and uh, of course i'd love to hear some of the views that disagree with the three people i have here who uh, seemingly i guess uh, despite coming from different angles uh, to the points, uh, I would say by and large agree. And I'd love to hear from you. Uh, certainly, more importantly, if you disagree with some of the views that are being put forward here about the utility of uh, the uh, vote and, of course, uh, the utility of the political decision behind that particular vote, I'd love to hear from you. Give me a ring on 89 I want us to stay on this issue of federalism. The lines are open. Uh, give me a ring on uh, there. And uh, Mele Buhang, I don't know if we have you back on the line, but uh, the you. question I was asking really was about how helpful the debate on whether or not you have three tiers of government, one unitary, I guess, uh, a center where decisions are made, or you just have, as the EFF is suggesting, national government and a uh, local government. Is it a helpful debate or is it just a red herring uh, as part of uh, many of the electoral commitments that one would find in these political parties? Yeah, look, I'm not a great fan of liberal democracy um, in the African context, in African country context, because... It, it is a it's an anomaly of uh, of, a, of a system which we inherited through colonial practice and colonial invasion and occupation, which then was used to then form or reform our state because we had nations, we had states, we had territory, we had rulership and governance, which was really interrupted um, with the colonial incursion. So everything that we're going to be doing now is a reproduction of something that was originally intended to oppress us. So I'm I'm all, I am an, I am a liberal skeptic in that regard. But also to say that, of course, our, the context of our nation building and, and state building in, in, in African countries 
is is entirely different to, to to you know we're not Sweden we're not Italy we're not the United States even and something that has been used is the United States usually in terms of you know liberal democracy elections and um, you know a federal state a bill of rights and, and all of these things and yet the the American state was actually built on a few things that are extremely problematic one it was built on invasion and an annihilation of a, of an existing population secondly it was built on cheap or free labor of um, enslaved African people who were carried across the continent the Atlantic to build America and lastly it is also built on a, a, a historic idea that there was nothing there to renewlius empty land so this Columbus school of governance is very is, is, is one that fortunately South Africa escaped only because I think African people in, in this country have very strong genes otherwise I think the whole idea was to us for us to become some outback of white well the white right wing still believes it so I guess it does have some utility in some go. spaces yeah there, there you go. So I think that really, we're already coming from a fractured space. And I also don't think that elections, just in response to my learned colleague, Kolani, I don't think that elections are the space to um, contest revolutionary ideals. Why? Because the nature of governance is about the accrual and the, uh, the, the consolidation of power and benefits. And I'm very cynical about it because mainly most parties and I think to go back to my early, my opening framing remarks, most parties are interested when they take office in exchanging power, benefits, privilege between and amongst themselves. And yet, and, and when you look at a lot of our neighboring countries, you look at Zambia, you look at Kenya, you look at even places like Ghana, you'll find that there is actually very little material difference in the behaviors, in the conduct, in the, in, 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 in the, in the practice of incumbents because incumbents become seduced by the access to power and, you know, neopatrimonialism and, and ways in which they can, you know, what we call here cheaply and very um, banally called state capture, but ways in which to, to, to use state resources to, you know, grant favors to family members and to divert those, you know, state, state resources to other purposes. So, frankly, this is an exchange of power. And, and, and the ideology is just a packaging, the manifestos are just a packaging to uh. enable this to happen. But elections, I don't think, will ever be revolutionary instruments. Okay. Let's take one of our callers, uh, or calling us all the way out in uh, Mokopane. Sello, good evening to you. Sello? Thanks, thanks, thanks for taking my call. Shabrur, go ahead. Hey, Tata. Look, I think the one in the studio, I swear I forgot the name, when he said, Golan. Yes, Golan. When he said, um, EFF are a bunch of immature, I think <laughs> that's his, um, uh, ignored, that's ignorant. It is the EFF that, that, that made us aware about Uganda and the people of this country. It is the EFF that made more use in this country to be involved in politics or even follow politics and watch the parliament. And it is the EFF uh, uh, that, that, that made the ANC parliamentarian to wake up in that parliament. They know the rules now. And lastly, this fallacy or this assumption that EFF is, collapsed the, uh, is involved with the VBS, where is the proof of that? We discovered that the ANC, Eitma Khashoggi, mm. he came and tell us that about the two million that they got, the loan that Umsholo uh, uh, got, yeah, yeah. and the many loans of uh, uh, um, mayors in, in, in 
in the, in, 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 in this country. Okay, that Silo, you know what? Money to VBS. So it's not true that we yeah. are just immature. Let's do this, ne? We're gonna engage now. Um, let, let me first maybe weigh in there. Um, I definitely agree with your last point. I think it's quite bizarre that uh, um, you know the which EFF, which one? Which one? the VBS issue. I think it's quite okay. bizarre that uh, the VABS issue has become an EFF issue when there are more deployees of the ANC who have been found in that Mutau report. And it's only really by conjecture Brian Shivambu uh, who uh, was uh, implicated in that particular report. I think that's a rather bizarre issue. Where I maybe disagree with you is when you say young people have been activated into politics uh, only when the EFF came into play in 2013. I potentially would not agree with you, but let me give Golani a response, uh, opportunity to respond, and we'll give you the last word, Selo. Don't worry, Chief. Look, uh, I'm not putting a disclaimer, I, uh, but unfortunately I will never say that people who are immature, mm. you see, because <laughs> politics is, a, is, is, is the game of relativity, you know, and so no one is immature in politics. What I was saying, I, I said, as you have uh, explained to him that we can at this time claim that the the rise of the EFF produced the rise of young people to mm. be conscious sure. about politics. You know, South African politics has been driven by young people. <laughs> I don't want to For go if- back to 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 to, mm. to the history, but what I said, I said EFF is not different from ANC in terms of its mission and its objective because them like ANC are the political merchants. Them like ANC, they are not willing to change the status quo in this country. And also them like ANC, they are corrupt just like the ANC. They are united in corruption just like the ANC. As I said, look at this coalition. How dare a radical black consciousness or a they call it a, they, they are Fenonians, whatever organization can be in a coalition with a right wing organization like a DA. And also I highlighted the issue of VPS that in politics, the perception and allegation are the reality. <laughs> you get what I mean? There mm. are people today that as he was mentioning about Ace Hashule, we can't simply overlook those things mm. to say why they are not talking about SADP that is involved in VPS. Why is it EFF? And so if EFF is being alleged to be involved in, in, in VPS, just like Jacob Zuma is being involved in, in VPS, it means mm. that them, they share the same cake. <laughs> you get what I mean? Mm. The VPS was their cake with okay. the ANC and Jacob Zuma. They are not different at all. Well, let me give uh, Selo the last bite in your response. Selo, you have 30 seconds. Please respond to what uh, Colonel was saying. I, I'm still challenging both of you when you say that uh, my, 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 my calculation of EFF bring more young guys or youth into this political arena. Uh, 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 without any effect because you are not you are not giving me anything when you, you challenge me. You are just saying okay. no. Okay. But 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 let's deal with um, sure. uh, uh, this thing of 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 of. of Please, my brother. Briefly, we want to also yes. give Abanye YouTube. No, no. I, 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 let let me finish because you say I must re- I'm respond. I'm responding to you. Yes, so you can finish. And yes. please carry on. Yeah. Yes, I'm saying if uh, 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 the, the the coalition. The coalition, I think Malema came out clearly. 
it is the plan to collapse the ANC, to take power from the ANC. It is not. It is just. A, it is a tactical okay. move that the EFF did there. Silo. It's not like they 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 they, they, they want to uh, uh, um, deal with the Uvagelem Shagaz. Tactical okay. move. It's uh, certainly not something that is driven by principle. Tepiso, you are in Mpumalanga. Good evening to you. Tepiso. Okay, as she would say, you sing out to send in the phone. Magdalene, you are in Bloemfontein. Good evening to you. How are you? I'm good, thanks. How are you? Okay, I'm okay. Uh, let me just start with something. Okay. Uh, I don't think I don't think uh, EFF is the only one which uh, managed to motivate uh, youth to be part of the politics. It's not like that. Because let me refer to you to something. My brother, it was in 1978 when he he joined he joined. Uh, ANC, and he left the country mm. for the sake of us for today. We should rip off what we are ripping off today. His name was current. We called him current. And number two, the point of decentralization. I agree with you, it's 100%. And I used to say it, especially provincially. Why? So that we don't con- uh, congest one area with population and also to try to bring development and growth when we decentralize the power provincially. Mm. So, for instance, uh, people were congested highly in Bluefontein. Rather than concentrating whereby people are still there in r- for, for rural development, because when we decentralize the provincial power, rural areas will be developed. Mm. Because people from rural areas will be also uh, experiencing or enjoying things like universities. Expenses like uh, to, 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 uh, to buy a place for students will be less and will be tr- trying to develop areas wherever each and every person is. And those people have got also ideas to mm. develop their areas. Okay. The other point. No, no, so I definitely hear it. Centralize the power, especially provincially. Okay, Meh. thank you so much, and I really appreciate that point. And I'll certainly canvass it uh, with uh, some of uh, the people that uh, I'm talking to. And uh, uh, maybe Yamgala, let me bring you in here. When we talk about this notion of decentralization, I think for me it, it really happens alongside another phenomenon that we've seen in our politics uh, developing, which is you know the use of uh, certain constituencies to. I guess, place pressure and try and influence the political space. We saw the emergence of uh, a political organization solely dedicated for the interests of taxi uh, operators and uh, people in that taxi uh, ecosystem called ATA. Uh, We've also seen a party like the ATM emerging from, I guess, uh, the convening of church organizations and uh, some people in the uh, messianic churches. And uh, But that being said, uh, uh, do you see this as an emerging trend of, I guess, uh, uh, integration of certain pressure groups and stakeholders trying to jockey, lobby, and advocate for certain views that are in their own interests, either as church people or people in the taxi industry. Much like we've seen, certainly with the right wing, Freedom Front Plus knows they'll never win any election, but they're there in every parliament because they know they represent uh, a narrow interests of a particular group. Well, I, uh, unfortunately, I don't know. As African people, this thing has been drummed into us. Uh, for some reason that we need to look out for our own, for our kind. We, Before we see ourselves as an integrated people of Africa, as a nation, uh, we see ourselves in our narrow constituencies, be it 
uh, archives you reference or uh, the, the movements that have been born out of church groups or people that represent certain tribes or whatever. But we have seen ourselves uh, being disintegrated in this fashion and we have held on to these narrow divisions mm. that do not uh, carry our hopes as a people to actually can survive. Because uh, if we are going to descend into that kind of politicking where we want to divide ourselves into interest groups that don't really come and converge on, on unitary interests as a people, as people uh, not only in South Africa, but in Africa. We, we are not going to get very far because it becomes easy uh, picking because mm. uh, they, they serve you here, they give you that, and then they still manage to control you. And that was the whole idea of putting sure. borders, putting race, putting uh, tribalism uh, by colonialism to, to manage small constituencies mm. and pick them at war against each other. So what happens when the church gets something and the taxi guys don't get anything? Uh, there's a conflict that arises and so forth. So we need to understand that we are Africans first. Okay. And uh, that is the most fundamental thing that unites mm. black people. Yamgela, I'd like us to just pause this slightly. I need to take a spot break. But when we come back, we continue with all of our panelists uh, on that particular conversation. And we even take a look at some of the smaller parties. It's 16 minutes before the uh, top of the hour. And, uh, of course, uh, we uh, went to that spot break uh, with the point uh, Yamgela was making that uh, certainly even minor differences uh, among the people are often used to mobilize uh, a certain politics that advocates for uh, the benefit of narrow interests. And uh, just talking about that, uh, Mepeko, I want to bring you in here on, uh, I guess, some of the smaller parties that we've seen here in Parliament, uh, be it the Congress of the People, Pan-Africanist Congress of Azania, Achang, Azapo. Uh, we've spoken about ATM and ATA and the interests that they represent and uh, i, I want to hear from you i mean one what prospects do you see for them on wednesday at the ballot box but more importantly does a system like the structured as it does uh, irrespective of whether we agree or not with their politics does it really create uh, a fair playing ground and a space for some of these uh, political organizations to find favor and by extension actually i guess to uh, find the favor of the people who are going to be voting at the ballot and uh, make their way to parliament so there are a couple of schools of thoughts um, around that, and I'm, I'm extremely sympathetic to the you know, smaller parties because a they are often, uh, you know under resourced, many of them have emerged from their own important history of political struggle and activism, and and liber- have got you know stellar uh, struggle credentials, and others have emerged as a result of you know democratic uh, internal democracy or lack thereof in um, existing political parties. I mean, ESF already has a breakaway, um, and, and, and one could even argue that the BLF through Andalin Gritama is also another breakaway of, um, of the ESF. So that, that illustrates the way that we manage our contestations very vibrantly. And to some extent, it could also represent a, a particular way of doing politics in this country. Remember that our politics, you know, originally, pre-1994, were extremely toxic and violent in the way that we manage our contradictions was extremely problematic, and I mean that uh, the kind of the physical manifestation of that would have been necklacing. And what I see this as is, 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 is the opportunity for us to redeem ourselves from that culture of basically lynching people who hold minority views through these um, through smaller parties, or I, I'd rather say parties which have a smaller subscription. Um, so I think that that gives the opportunity for us to then think through 
Uh, and I don't, and I don't mean those dodgy, you know, above football party where it's just some guy, his wife, and the, you know, and the dog who are the members. But I mean, really substantive parties who have something to say, but may not have the resources to say it. And I think that there are a couple of things as well around the IEC um, and the way that party political funding has been traditionally distributed, and also that. Um, Voting and, and the election, electoral process is extremely expensive, especially if you're a party which hasn't got much traction, much public recognition, and much access to you know to sponsorship, whether that be you know dodgy cigarette barons or other more substantive, credible forms of funding. Um, and I mean, it, it also you know it costs a huge amount of money, as we're all aware, to even register uh, on at, at the IEC. Um, and to contest, so to maintain the momentum, um, it should probably take millions of rands to maintain momentum for that. So all of these things, I think, inhibit the space for parties with a lower subscription rate to be able to participate fully, to get their message out more, more, more effectively to the public and the media, to get their billboards out there, and so on and so forth. Mm, mm. And uh, I mean, your, your your sense here on uh, uh, you know the prospects of some of the smaller political parties, uh, or are we just going to see the, more of the same? I think many people have uh, really campaigned on the ticket that we're likely to see a reorganisation here and a restructuring of political support by and large due to I guess the despondency that they interpret many people to have for some of the bigger parties, the ANC, the DA, and the EFF. Look, uh, for me, uh, um, um, let me be honest with you. I, I, I really am very hostile to this institution, the parliament. Mm. I, I'm being honest because, as I'm saying, <laughs> there, there's nothing positive that we can really gain out of that institution. Because, as, as I've said, it, 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 it represents the yoke of British oppression. Mm. You, you get what I mean? And so never think that such an institution that was imposed on us can really liberate us. Mm. If you have heard what Peko was saying, uh, it clearly is about the commercialization of politics because there is money involved, there is marketing involved. And so it means that the face behind the face of power are the one who will be calling the tunes. And us, the disempowered, us who don't have money, will always be... The, the, the one that is supposed to go to the altar of sacrifice. Mm. You, you, you got me. Mm. And so the commercialization of the needs of people through the parliament is what I'm against it. Hence, I am saying there is nothing positive that liberates us that we can simply expect mm. from that institution. But Kolani, the people are saying something different here. Utelan Lan, is saying he believes Ramaphosa gives us hope and courage that we can address the wrongdoing of our democracy uh, led by the ANC. And that step to spearhead renewal is a genuine plan. He's going to vote for the ANC regardless of all of the ugly happenings that he sees at Teguini where he lives. Look, let me tell you something. Democracy is, is just an illusion. It's just an illusion concept. That thing will never happen before we, we, we understand who we are and we have a machine of what we want to achieve. Us as a nation, you, you got it. And so it's mm. just an illusive, uh, what called a uh, concept. And also this issue of unity. There, there is this kind of schizophrenic language where people, they think about unity and then it's about ANC. Mm. And then it, it's not about us. You get what I mean? Meaning that the ANC starts, starts its language and its problem and its fragmentation is starting to spread its tentacles to, 
to to us and even us now we adopt this language of unity mm. and of 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 renewal and of going these these are ANC issues what about us as south africans what is there for us us as as, as an electorate what have we bargained with mm. with these political powers because it's them who come with the manifesto what is the manifesto of the society kolani mm. Let's pause there on that uh, great point. Mepeko, I'm going to come back to you and uh, see if you can answer the question that Kulani is raising there when he says, what, what becomes the manifesto of the people that they place before all of these political parties and say, hey, I'll vote for you if uh, you give me some of these issues. I'd love to hear from you as well. Give me a ring on 089-110-3377. Let's take this brief break. An important message from the Department of Home Affairs. Uh, fellow South Africans, we have 300,000 uncollected IDs at our offices throughout the country. We would like to urge all those who have not collected theirs to do so as soon as possible. For only 70 rands, we will also assist those who have lost their IDs to reapply and get temporary identification certificates on the spot to enable them to vote. All of Home Affairs offices will be open after 7 p.m. on Monday and Tuesday, the 6th and the 7th of May, as well as on Election Day, Wednesday, the 8th of May from 7 a.m. right up until 9 p.m. in the evening. For more information, call our contact center on uh, a toll-free number 0800 60 11 90. 0800 60 11 90. Home Affairs, we care. Mepeko, Kolani there raising uh, a very interesting point, saying we are also political actors in our own right as people. And uh, do we really, I guess, play the tactical game here and engage Poly, uh, political parties on the basis of what are interests that are close to us and things that we really care about. Mm, it's an excellent point, and the point is also that we shouldn't just be we, we shouldn't behave as though we are passive. We're passive, um, you know, it's passive people, passive participants, bystanders in political processes and in institution building, um, in consciousness building as well. And I think one of the main concerns and my main observations has been that most political parties tend to treat people like vote fodder and merely call on them as, um, you know, see them as commodities, commodities in order to get them herd, herd themselves into, into parliament and into municipal positions, rather than this being a two-way partnership between the communities, the people in inverted commas, and themselves. And I think that there'd be a massive difference in the way that the people govern, that political parties and movements govern, if they understood that actually they're at the behest of people and that they actually have a key set of deliverables that they owe us. And we have really have lost our voice, I think, to a great extent over the last while. And for a few reasons, the one is that that voice has been muffled and obfuscated by, um, by, by, by really, um, by, by slow veneering. Um, the, the idea that um, there is a particular ruling party, a particular liberation movement, and being guilted into silence. And I think another reason for that is that the social movements and, and other, you know, other movements on the ground have been become incredibly fragmented over the last I say five to ten years. There was a time when we'd be able to gather people together in one room or in one hall, and it would be a massive, formidable show of force. Even the trade unions have been have been completely demobilized. Um, not 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 least because Kosati decided to make themselves, um, you know, a sweetheart of the tripartite alliance rather than being concerned with the with workers across party lines. Mm. And then I think the another component of that is then that. We need to really rethink then what what would they people what is what is the people's mandate and what is, what what when we go to vote 
when we participate in even discussions like this, we are framing a mandate. We are giving a mandate. It is on loan to the incumbent party or even to the opposition until such time that they have either proven or disproven themselves. So I, agree. I, I, I like that point very much because we need it, it gives us the impetus to take back our voice and to take back institutions. Okay, let me take uh, two of our callers there and I'll come back to you, uh, Yamkela, uh, of course, on uh, uh, some of the issues that uh, we're raising and even, of course, the utility of some of these polls. Pinky, you are in Joburg, so I'm good evening to you. Good evening and, and thank you for taking my call. Awesome, please go ahead, Mama. Okay, two things, Golani one. The narrative that you want to portray that the ANC is not true, is, is a race, is non, it's not a non racial organization by saying that. They, you have not had a premier who is Sotho uh, um, in Eastern Cape or who is Zulu in, in Northern Cape, mm. for example. It's mm. incorrect. The ANC, the majority of its members, where do you expect to find a premier Sotho in case that end when the is Zulu? The ANC, number two, the ANC people did not reject Togotiriza in Twani. They rejected a decision that was taken by the organization to impose a person when they had already chosen, according to the structures, to say this is the preferred candidate for mayor. Number three, do, does Golan even believe in voting? If it does not believe in our institutions as such as even think that it was worth it for a black person to fight for the vote to rise, I mean for the right to vote. And I am saying the ANC and Sir Ramaphosa, they are the best option that Africans have, and he is not correct to compare the ANC with the EFF, okay. because he is not acknowledging the fact that the EFF's policies are policies of the ANC, because Malima te- and, and Julius and whoever they have been, mm. they took all their policies Since from the ANC, and whatever else that he comes up with then when he's on stage and he decides to blab his mouth, you might not even find the written in policy uh, okay. positions and documents of the Sabuyel, EFF. Sabuyel, Pinky, Pinky, I think the point is well made. Uh, I think that was point number five. Now, I think I think the point is well made. Uh, given you are in Cape Town and uh, we've kept Pinky on the line there, I maybe want to respond from some of our uh, uh, panelists as we wrap up. Given, good evening to you. Good evening. Uh, thank you for taking my call. Sure, brother. I just want to respond to the gentleman. Oh, Kolan, I believe. Hey, Kolan, Yes, yes, Kolan. Yeah, I think I've got a message for the gentleman. He should be a bit more positive. Uh, okay. South Africa is built on hope. Uh, Parliament is not a waste. Uh, it's actually an organ, an institution that can improve over time. We have Motato Mandela and the uh, first Parliament. There mm. was some good progress being made. The fact that the past ten years of having all have to be. And, uh, I, uh, people must go out and believe in the democracy. Uh, Aish, given. Okay. No, I think Dukvila, it's just the line is bad there. But given saying that uh, people must go and uh, vote and uh, exercise the hard-won rights, uh, certainly as part of our democratic project, and uh, it seems all of the, I guess, uh, stinging questions going to Kolani. So, Kolani, maybe I will give you the last word. Uh, uh, Mepeko, let me start off with you. What do you make of some of the calls that have been made here and uh, certainly the faith that uh, many of our people have? And, uh, and, you know, my view has always been that I always see this as a hunter. You, you have in your bag multiple... Uh, you know, arrows that you can shoot. And one of these, tactically, is in the ballot. Every single day between those five years, you've got all of those other arrows that you can use. And uh, I think maybe the conversation should be about how we use those arrows. 
Yeah, exactly. And, and it should also be about the way that we expand our definitions of governance um, and, and take it away from the sort of the neoliberal, again, market-driven good governance that has become really quite disreputable um, and really recognize that human dignity rather than human rights are the essential. That constitutionalism in itself doesn't really give us citizenship. It doesn't give us humanity. Um, I, I, I've had the privilege to work for many years, 20 years or more, underground with different communities who will say every single time that the constitution doesn't give them rights, doesn't give them power, doesn't give them anything. And they would much rather have a government that listens to them, they'd rather have um, local councillors who are aware of their needs and who are accessible. Uh, and I think that, uh, that the, the other thing I'd like to say um, on a final note is that this is mm. also to do with the masculine nature of politics and the way in which men contend for power, exchange power amongst themselves. And that's to do with the way that we have handled the, the national question and subjugated all other questions mm. to it. So there are layers of oppression. So me, for me, voting for a yet another man, whoever, sure. whether he's wearing a red or blue uh, pink T-shirt, whatever, it's not going to materially shift my material circumstances. It's not going to shift the kind of gendered dimensions of um, discrimination and, and the lack of feminist consciousness that most men also display and the way it exhibits in policy making, in um, budget redistribution, mm. even social attitudes and mores and the ongoing violences at all levels against women. So I think that there's also something, a, a, a subsequent conversation to be had sure. about whether or not um, political parties have any sense in which they are representing not only their own narrow interests, but a multiplicity of national interests. Okay. Yamgala? Well, I, uh, I, I hear that uh, the callers are emphatic on, on, on the issue that people actually died or fought for voting, and I'd like to disagree a lot with that. that uh, I, I'll try to think that Tisbiko, Sobukwe, Hanyu, whoever. Uh, and the countless people who are nameless but actually sacrificed their life, uh, were actually sacrificing their life so that we could just cast a ballot uh, every five years and still continue living in squalor, continue being dispossessed, continue mm. being landless. You know? uh, people uh, who fought and gave their lives were not fighting for this particular ballot paper. And uh, that is what needs to change in our political system, that uh, there actually needs to be a way for the people have the contributing manifesto mm. and actually chaperone and see to it that the government implements their manifesto because okay. it's about what people want and the rule of the people. Sure. And until we get to a point where people can realize these dreams of actually being out of poverty, being mm. out of being out of economic sure. oppression, being out of uh, all sorts of uh, things that actually dispos- keep them dispossessed as they were fifty hundred years ago then the vote is actually useless for, okay. the, for the average human being who's going to vote and still stay in deep fluid uh, 10 years time Yamgela. after casting three ballots. It's not going to change much. We need to actually start emphasizing how to hold people accountable. Kolan, you've got the last word, man. Please be brief. I don't mind. They can cry, but you have to speak the truth. Mm. Look, I, I'm very skeptical of people who start to say we have, the person is the best thing mm. ever happened because these are the same people who are telling us that Zuma is the best. After that, they, they are telling us now that Cyril is the best. Surely before he finishes second term, they will be telling us that Soren, so I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't respect those people. I'm not a, a, a desert sand. But I want to say this. Roxa Luxembourg, mm. he made it clear that parliament is not a progressive institution at all. 
if any socialist person must agree, <laughs> I wonder why I played and the rest, mm. the rest are there because you can't, there is nothing revolutionary, there is nothing that you can do in order sure. to change through the parliament. And lastly, Amel Kakabrao, he made it clear that people are not fighting for ideas, mm. but they are fighting to change their conditions and their livelihood. And so I don't understand the person who tell me today that people sacrifice just to vote. Buyaz. And then after voting what? Buyaz. Let's vote each and every day. Buyaz, I see Shialapa, brother. Good evening to all of you. Sentle, sorry I'm chowing into your time, my brother. I leave you in the soulful sound, soulful hands of a Sentle. So you're going to banga. Le economy.